While I was praying, it was hard to get those words, that song out. It just kept coming. We bless you, we lift you up. So, uh, but it's appropriate. The song is, is very appropriate. So, um, last time I was here, which wasn't long ago, two weeks ago, we talked about, um, the sermon was entitled Heart Siege, or Siege of the Heart. And then uh, we talked about, um, you guys should remember, that, because I got a lot of scriptures today, but we talked about Elijah and his servant, right? And his servant was surprised to find the Aramean, Aramean army surrounding their camp where they lived, right? Okay. And then the servant was scared and he told Elijah and Elijah told him, uh, open his eyes. Don't worry, Lord, open his eyes so he can see that there are more with us than with, with them, right? Remember? Okay, we're going to read that because you guys don't remember. And uh, I can tell. Yeah, hold on one second. Okay, maybe I should have done that in the first place. Okay, so it says here, 2 Kings 6, 8 through 17. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So you're hearing me. This king is setting up a trap for another king, for the king of Israel. And the prophet is telling the king of Israel about the plans, right? So the king of Israel is dodging the king of Aram. He's, he's, he's dodging him all the time. So the king of Israel checked on that place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elijah warned the king so that he was on alert. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. In other words, who's leaking my plot, right? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elijah the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words you even speak in your bedroom. Okay? Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. So the report came back to the king, he's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Am I too loud? This is pretty loud, right? It, it, for you guys. Okay. It's, it sounds like I'm in a big stadium. <laughs> so, anyway, so um, they went, the troops went by night and surrounded the city. Okay. All right. So when the servant of the man of God or the servant of the prophet got up that morning and he went out early, he saw this big army with horses and chariots surrounding him. And oh, he was scared to death. So he runs to the prophet and he says, oh, Lord, what shall we do? And the prophet told him, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah, the prophet, prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the servant and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around him. Okay. 
Remember two weeks ago? Raise your hand if you remember. Boy, the, oh my goodness. Anyway, uh, so anyway, we're going to have to revisit this over and over and over. So anyway, um, what's the point of this? I made a point that when we wake up in the morning, we're typically confronted with the issues of the day, which are typically historical. We've had issues mounting and mounting and mounting, kind of like troops sitting up and camped around us. And we typically decide within ourselves how we're going to handle those issues. So if I had woke up and thought about my boss and the plans my boss had to get rid of me, if I wake up, that's what I'm confronted with because that's not settled in my heart. If I have a lot of issues that aren't settled in my heart, I'm going to wake up with troops of issues all around me, okay? And typically, we're trying to settle those affairs. It's just our human nature that makes us believe we're supposed to do something about the things that are going on in our lives. It's, it's our nature. So we're self-reliant. Right? Until we hear otherwise, <laughs> we're going to soldier off and try to manage the affairs of our lives. Right? But what Elijah is telling his servant basically is, don't worry about what this looks like. Look over here. Right? There's horses and chariots already mounted. They're not coming. They're there. And the chariots are chariots of fire. So this must be supernatural. Now, we're not going to see what we need to see by default when we open our eyes in the morning, right? By default, we're going to be confronted by the things that have been bothering us. So things that arrest our attention keep us tossing and turning in the night, right? If it's undealt with, we don't sleep well. And if we're not dealing with it properly, we're not really getting any sleep at all, which will affect our health, okay? And if we're not dealing with one thing, then another thing comes that's undealt with, and pretty soon you have an army to look at when you first wake up in the morning, an army of issues, okay? That's why I use this scripture to kind of in indicate what I'm trying to convey here, right? So... <clears throat> This isn't, look, it's, I'm going to go a little bit further and say, when you're a Christian and you wake up and you decide in and of yourself how you're going to manage these issues, it's actually sinful. That's a sinful state of being because you have a God that can tell you troops are coming. You, you see, God revealed to Elijah Troops are coming. I'm your God. I'll tell you how to deal with these issues in life. Now, this might sound strange to some, so I'm not saying start looking for a voice. Barbara, this is how you deal with those issues, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is turn from the default thing that you're going to see the first thing in the morning to the thing you should be looking at, 
when you wake up, right? Look to the hills from whence cometh my help. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Okay, this isn't rocket science. The problem is, is that we have a problem giving up our right to manage affairs. That's a problem for us. We think we can deal with it. The enemy is cunning. He's got all kind of plots and treachery. And he wants us to believe that we're able to manage the deceitful treachery that he's established in our lives. That's what keeps the troops mounting and keeps us struggling and keeps us believing I'm coming to the end of this thing. But now it's grown so far out of proportion. I have just nothing but troops to look at. God really, really wants to relieve us of the worries and the stresses and the panic and the imaginations of our hearts. And the way he wants to do that is to show us by default. It's, it's, in other words, it's not a choice. You're not literally waking up to a choice where you see God over here and you see the enemy over here. That's not what's going on. You're only going to see the enemy until you seek God. And then he'll be found by you. So the servant didn't see God. So there weren't two choices. Elijah had to pray, open his eyes so he can see. Bless the Lord. Okay, and that's the same with us. We're not going to see God. That's the last thing we're thinking about when we're all bombarded with all this stuff. Okay, and for many of us believers, we've been carrying a heavy burden. It's the truth. Thinking, oh, my God will supply. He'll supply my needs. All these kinds of scriptures we may speak over ourselves, but we, we need to seek God first. Seek his kingdom first and everything else will be added unto us. So then what's the first thing in the morning we should be seeking? God. It makes sense, right? Okay, so look, we've been having problems and we're going to have them. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. I'm going to be honest with you. I learned a long time ago while I was still partying that God uses these situations to get our attention. It's the truth. He, he's going to allow some things that look inevitable. Nothing's going to stop this, right? He's going to allow that because although he has life and death in his hand, he'll keep you tethered to that thing until you come to him. He wants a relationship with you, not like it used to be that you knew and believed him, but that you turned to him. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Why would we do ourselves a disservice? We have God to turn to, right? He knows the enemy is coming. You, you get it? It's like God knows. If the man of God, this is baffling to me that the king of Aram is saying, hey, go park over here and wait and capture the king of Israel. So when, when it doesn't happen, the king of Aram is upset about it. Why isn't it happening? Well, Tommy is an espionage agent. He's telling, 
He's telling the king of Israel. You see what I'm saying? So now the king wants to know, well, how is this? Well, Tommy's telling. Well, go get Tommy. Now, if Tommy knows that he's going to get the king of Israel, Tommy knows he's coming to get him. It makes sense? Okay, so you can't even say in your bedroom what you want to say because the Lord can hear you. He's paying attention to the inner recesses of our hearts. He hears all of it. And the reason why we're not delivered from at least some of it is because we're not telling all of it. Let, 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 me, let me break it down. Okay? <laughs> Want to be free from this stuff? Tell the whole thing to God. He wants our whole heart. Bless the Lord. This thing keeps going. Get, get up here. I'm sorry. So, before I give the whole summation, let me go back. Um, <clears throat> the practice of turning things over to God is a one day at a time practice. Matthew 6, 31 through 32 says, Do not worry saying what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, it's not just a one day at a time scenario. It's a one moment at a time. Okay? He says here, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Again, emphasis on first. God is first. We go to God first with our issue. Okay? This, this we know this, this head knowledge, like Pastor Rick and, and, and them used to say, is head knowledge, but it needs to be heart knowledge. We need to really turn to God when the issue is even being recognized as an issue. Because for the most sake, we're basically, I think, I'm no psychiatrist, but I think that we're hoping it's not going to be as big as it could, could get, right? So we might ignore it or just discount it. You know, it's not that big, right? But when we see that whatever we're confronted with has been known to turn into something of a greater magnitude, even something that could really overtake us till our hearts fail, okay? I mean, till we fall to our knees in fright. I don't know if you've ever been there, okay? But when we see that before we thought a little thing would just remain a little thing, but it turned into a big catastrophe, we by now should realize Take it to God. Take it to God now, right away. Um, I'm in the supermarket. I can't get on my knees. You can pray while you're shopping. You don't have to open your mouth because he reads hearts. And you can talk from your heart to the Lord, right? Lord, I pray. Look, if he doesn't want this kind of relationship with us, I'm not standing here right now. He wants to be the first that we turn to. 
and the one that we count on throughout the whole process, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to end the process, but it means he's going to build a new process with you and him. This is going to be a real intimate relationship, right? Bless God. Yeah, bless the Lord. This is what he wants. Um, <clears throat> the result of not turning things over to God is more troops, <laughs> more armies, more intimidation, more fright, more concern, concerned about somebody in your family that just won't get it right. Just more. Just before, the next thing you know, you're just tethered to it. Everything that they do, you just hear the, a phone ring and the first thing you're thinking is this, it's them. God is trying to sever that and give you peace in the situation. But it called, look, how do we get that peace? We look from that thing that's there by default, even embellished by the enemy to keep us stuck. We turn to the Lord. Open his eyes so he can see. Bless the Lord. Listen, he's there available. It's not like you're going to turn to him and he's not going to be there. Now, people may quote the scripture or something. Oh, well, I called on the Lord and he didn't hear me. That was in context for a specific reason at a specific time. If he's trying to get a relationship with us that's different than the one we've had, he's going to make himself known at the time we speak his name, right? He wants to hear from us. I'm going to tell you, we matter. We're the, the sheep of his pasture. What is Jesus giving us all these parables about rescuing sheep? What is that? All? We're those sheep. Okay, he comes and gets one while a million of them are over here. He's coming to get you. How's he coming to get you? Well, Mianka, <laughs> not to be personal, but you, you, how's he coming? Your son, your, your, your daughter, your, the, look, if it didn't matter, if it was just a neighbor, right, it wouldn't have that much of an impact on you. So it has to be someone close that you love. And he's going to use that thing to get your attention. Bless the Lord. Bless God. So, we're all prone to the fears. I don't care how you put that shell on. Leroy is big masculine Leroy. <laughs> I model myself after him. I'm big masculine Dave. Leroy. <laughs> so, Leroy. <laughs> so, look. Our outer shell, what does it have to do with anything? If God is a God that pays attention to the hearts and minds of his people, we can put on a front, we can even go to war. I could run up there with five smooth stones, right? And a slingshot and take on this Armenian army. I could run up there and fight. I could ignore them. I could go and strategize. I could say, um, Maybe we can come to a negotiation. I'll give you the man of God if you just leave us alone. You know, I could come up with something that might work. Of course, dealing with the devil was never going to work. 
<laughs> right? But we could come up with some kind of answer or some kind of idea to suppress the situation. And that's actually pretty much what we do. What we're known to do is try to fix it. But once we decide to take it on ourselves, I'm telling you, there's sin in the details. The, the sin is in there because when it stops working the way you want it to work, you're accusing your adversary, number one. You, right? You're gossiping, you're talking, you're blaspheming, you're doing all kinds of stuff because you're being still bombarded by this thing that's growing. The Lord doesn't want us to take it into our own hands. We, we won't manage it godly because we're broken. There's something about us that we're not able. We need our God. Bless the Lord. So many will say, don't worry about this and that. You got problems. You got problems, Linda? You got some problems? Okay, don't worry about this and that. Just go pray. Pray about it. You know? Then they're on their way, right? Now, while they're telling you right, I mean, it's right. If I notice you have a problem and then I suggest you pray about it, it's the right thing to do. However, I should be willing to pray for you. I should be willing to actually walk through some of this with you by pointing you to the God that you don't see right now. Okay, so these mounting troops blind our eyes. They, they do, it's too much for us to manage, right? So Barbara comes along and says, oh, I'll pray for you right now. Lord, open the eyes of her heart so she can see you. Bless the Lord. Look, look, God, is, this is no fairies stuff, okay? This is, a, it's a, this is the real deal. Fairies are mimicking the gospel. Fairy tales are a mimic. Greek mythology and all of those fairy tales, they mimic the gospel. This is the gospel. We really do have a God. All the other gods are fake gods. And if you rely on yourself, you're relying on a fake God, right? Turn from self. Turn from our self-will and turn to the God that can deliver us. He's able Bless God. If Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, be careful for nothing, which is really anxious for nothing. You hear this all the time. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to use an analogy. If I was diagnosed with lung cancer and the doctor told me I should quit smoking, okay? Well, I prayed, I prayed to the, to the Lord, right? I got lung cancer, so I'm not crazy. I'm a Christian. I'm going to pray to the Lord about it, right? So I prayed to the Lord, please take the cancer away, the lung cancer, right? But I'm not willing to quit smoking which is what the doctor told me to do, okay? I'm, I'm, no, I can't live without my cigarettes, you know. But Lord, take this cancer away. Okay, 
Now, <clears throat> soon the report is, is that the cancer has spread all over the place. It's all over my lungs, so the troops are mounting because I decided to deal with this thing the way I decided to deal with it. I didn't ask the Lord to help me quit smoking. I decided I wasn't going to quit smoking, right? Because I had a fear that I'd be able to. I can't do this, right? Okay, so I've already eliminated the help from God that I need because I came up short. Help me in this one area. I'll take care of the rest. If the reason why I have this cancer, even outside of smoking, is for him to get my attention, I'm pretty much telling him, you can have this much of my heart. Right. Right? Okay, look. It works. It works like this. God is not interested in my offer. <laughs> okay. This is really not about lung cancer. It's about my heart. The confession of my heart was fragmented. It was marginal, to say the least. I'll do this, but not that. Okay? Well, you'll just have troops of cancer all over the place. You didn't know you had foot cancer and ear cancer, did you? Cancer's coming from everywhere. This is troops mounting all over the place. Not because he wants to kill me, but he wants my whole heart. I refuse to give him my whole heart. And that's for all of us. I don't care who you think you are. We resist that because we're told from Jump Street, grow up and be something, be independent. You can do it. It's in you. This is the world speaking to us. So we believe on oh, the powers in me. And God is saying, no, you don't have no power. You can't even get rid of the lung cancer. You need me. Whether I deliver you from the lung cancer or not is not the point. The point is, I can give you peace in that cancer from communion with me. Because you won't die unless I say you're going to die. Make sense? Look, it's easier said than done. But what we're doing is we're going to start taking this turn in the morning when we wake up. Turn from our issue. Look, it's not all bad issues. Beverly may want to go fishing today. She wake up, that's all that's on her mind. Did you run that by the Lord? <laughs> I mean, look, well, do we, do we have to run everything by him? I would. If I were capable, I would take it to God. Even the things that I think are innocent things. You get out there in the fishing trip and some big bass or shark jump up in your boat. I don't know. Right? What I'm, trying, what I'm trying to tell you is God knows what's down there at the lake. He knows what's down. Look, you go down there and there's Susie Q down there. You didn't know she would be there and you're trying to resist Susie Q. Right? God knows. He knows what's there before we get there. Bless the Lord. Okay. Now I'm old, so that's why I said Susie Q. Because, uh... That's, <laughs> Oh, people use. Okay. Um, I, yeah. 
that clock is, uh, okay, I'm good. Um, uh, let's see here. So um, people that simplify your issue, oh, don't worry about that. Pray and move on. Looking at it pretty simple, they're telling the truth in some ways, but are we? What we thought would go away or take care of itself or that we could manage actually may not be manageable. It's hard to pray to God with unsettling fear. Think about it. If I told you when you wake up and you got all these mounting troubles, lawyers and IRS and all this stuff mounting and you go to bed at night and the first thing you know you, when you wake up is that I need to deal with this, these issues, right? And then if I was like right there by you in your bedroom, right, I done brought you a tray and some coffee and I tell you, you, you need to pray. You need to pray about this. You know, I can't pray. These people are going to come seize them. Everything's coming from every direction. Okay, I'll go ahead and pray. And while you're praying, you're praying in fear because you've let so much stuff get out of control. You did it. You did it because you didn't take it to God, right? The enemy loves this. It's like, he's like, look, this is all working. He's too scared to pray. And while he's praying, he's trembling, right? I got him where I want to and leash some more stuff. The house is on fire. This is at least other stuff because this is what we get when we try to manage things that are unmanageable, right? God is good in allowing stuff to happen in our lives. I know it's hard to believe that the most important thing isn't curing the cancer, the, the, the lung cancer, right? In my scenario, seems like it would be no one wants to die. God wants our trust and faith in him right? We're going to die anyway. This is his plan. But our trust and our faith in him is going to be the development of our peace. And peace he gives us in spite of the storm. This peace is precious. It's a precious gift. Let me explain something. I don't just want peace. I want the car I'm praying for. <laughs> right? Let's, let's, let's look at this. Okay, I don't just want peace. I want to be fixed. But what the Lord is trying to convey to us is that peace is really a gift that far surpasses our understanding. It transcends our little minor, minute, feeble understanding. It's supernatural. It's not predicated or based on me getting what I'm looking for. If it was, then the doctor would say, hey, you're doing good. Your lungs are clearing up. Right? I got peace. Oh, it's all taken care of. And I can still have my cigarettes. Right? Then next week he tells me, oh, no, that things look worse. Oh, I lost my peace. Right? Our peace has to be stable based on a relationship with God no matter what goes down. This is why he wants us to turn to him. Get peace on the onset, at the beginning. Don't look here, and they're going to be talking to you. You're going to be hearing what was left over from yesterday when you wake up. You better get your Bible, turn on an audio, turn on a podcast, turn on a video, get on your knees. You do something to divert your attention from the default voice of the world to God. 
and so that you can have his peace. Peace will make you healthy. You realize that, right? A lot of us are sick and don't realize it's from the confusion and all the drama and all the turmoil and all, the, all this in our hearts. It will make, it'll kill you. Why, why I busted a capillary in my eye? Oh, well, you know, maybe you was looking at the light too long. No, <laughs> that's not why. You got too much stress. Well, you don't look stressful. Well, you can't see inside. God sees it building up and mounting. Bless God. Bless the Lord. Um, Jeremiah 29, 12 says, then you will call on me and come and pray and I will listen to you. So the praying is good. Praying in fear while you're all full of fear and everything, it's okay because God knows we will run to him when we're frightened, okay? But what I'm trying to say is that it's not in our best interest to let things become as insurmountable as they'll become because we didn't deal with those things on the onset. They'll continue to pile up. There's where fear, look, fear is not gonna come at the first voice of something, but you wanna talk about frightened prayer. You talk about all the issues that are going on, unsettled billing disputes, mental health issues, health issues, marital strife, being ripped off, being blamed, being cheated, dealing with deceit, being purposefully, purposefully overlooked at work, ostracized, estate settlements, family disputes, rip-offs, people are breaking in, people are stealing cars now more than ever. People are stab you in the street now. You know, you just get stabbed, you don't know why, they carry knives, not guns. Look, <clears throat> No one wants to live their life in fear, right? But we got a lot to contend with today. But look, don't blame God because he has given us the measure that we need to survive this place in time. He decided that Ruth would live in 2022 and that Sharon and, and, and Keith and Beverly would live in this time near the end with his provision Sufficient for the day is the provision made thereof. He's given each of us what we need to survive this place. If you neglect what he's given you to survive this place and you rely on yourself, you'll look every bit as much as what you're relying on. Haggard, broken down, worn down. Look, you don't have this ability. We don't have it. We have a God we can turn to. Bless the Lord. Bless God. So I'm telling you now, I don't have it, but I'm waking up in the morning trying to divert my attention to something that's going to bring the Lord into my focus. Right? Um, I had a few more minutes. I'm counting like four. But if you guys, you know, if you don't look like you're getting it, it could go to 44. So, 
So, uh, I really want to make a point. Um, a lot of people would say, you know, we don't have sin. We're free of sin and all of this. I have a strong argument against that. I, I do. And it's not a new argument, right? The point is, is that God has cast out our sin as far as the east is from the west. You've heard that. So how far is the east from the west? They never touch, right? But I'll tell you this. You bring up somebody else's sin, yours is represented, okay? We're supposed to be covering others, right? So if you want your sin to be dealt with by God, what you don't want to do is start discussing someone else's sin in a way that's not edifying. You're not, you're not praying for them. You're not praying that they would turn to the Lord from which cometh their help, right? So you represent the sin that God has cast away. So basically, we're all running around here with a grudge against something or someone, right? But we have a merciful God that when we enter into his throne room, he's an all-consuming fire. We're, he's merciful. We don't burn up, okay? We should burn up to a crisp walking into the, 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 the room, the kingdom, the, the throne room of the holy God. He's the standard of holiness. If he lets me in there in my sin, then he's not holy. Okay? So we have a mediator, and by Christ, his son, we're able to walk in. What is his grace and his mercy all about? That grace and that mercy is what stops me from being burned up to a crisp. And I can come in here and I can tell the Lord all about it. The Lord wants my whole heart. When I pray... He'll hear me. But when I bring my whole heart to him, the Bible says, he'll deliver me from my captivity. What's my captivity? Again, the Aramean army is surrounding me. They've come to arrest me. Make sense? This arrest is an arrest of my heart. They want this heart, and, I use this synonymously, heart and mind. So they come to arrest my mind where all these issues are flowing. They've come to arrest my mind by piling up more and more and more and taking me finally away in the straitjacket. Okay? They've come to arrest me. And what God is trying to say is that no. What we're going to do is we're going to first, we're going to turn over to him our whole hearts. How do we do that? I'm not in the practice of doing that, right? I don't even know my whole heart. There are some that believe they do. Some people, look, look at the Ray Comfort stuff on, on TV. Where are you a good person? Yes, I'm a very good person. You, you've seen it. Are you good? How many lies have you told? Well, uh, yeah. well do good people tell lies? Well, I don't know. Right? Have you ever stolen anything? Well, yeah. So are good people thieves? <laughs> so he goes down the line to try to make us see ourselves. And look, for most of us, our defense is, well, I did a little this and a little that, but Jesus washed it all away. 
He washed my sins away, so that doesn't matter anymore. You're sinning now, making minor your offenses so that you don't even look guilty. We're guilty as charged, but we have a person that paid for our sins. It would make sense not to take this free gift of salvation. It's free. It's there for us. But to take it and think, I'm never going to sin anymore, or I'm not really that bad of a sinner, or you, you know what, that doesn't count what I did because that was just little. If he's holy and his standard is holiness, a little grain you can't even see matters to him. It matters. It's not that he's sitting there counting the grains of sin that you've committed. But what I'm saying is that we don't measure up to a holy God. We need his son. He measures up. And if we stand in his son, we're in good shape. Right? Now, this wasn't necessarily supposed to be a salvation message. But the message that I'm trying to impart is that peace in the pit. It's better than panic in the palace. This is, okay? Peace in the pit is better than uh, panic in the palace. That's one of Pastor Rick's (laughs) sayings from way back over at the LC. Okay? This is the truth. Look, we can't get it. Well, it's not that serious. It's very serious. It's very serious because on the tail end of peace comes praise. In other words, if we're at peace with God and peace in ourselves, what else is there to entertain within ourselves but to praise this holy God that took my wretched life, drug-induced, sexual, perverted life, and gave me a life worth living, one that is a guarantee that I'm going to be in his kingdom? I mean, I don't deserve that. I deserve to be dead. All the AIDS and the, um, the, the monkey pox and, and all the other stuff. I should just be up here with all full of it. Where y'all be sitting way back there. Right? <laughs> well, I'm talking to y'all. Because I should be, I should be, look, that was my destiny. Trying to manage my life in and of myself. Right? With this enemy telling me, you can deal with it. Go deal with it. You know they're not treating you right at work. You work harder than Barney. Right? Look, you work harder than Barney. They're giving Barney, look, employee of the month and a raise and a promotion. And Barney is going to be your boss now. And now Barney then schemed and just took all your benefits and your hopes and dreams. Barney has them. And your boss tells you on Friday, Friday night, before you go home, oh, come see me uh, Monday morning because I want to talk about your new duty serving Barney. Right? <laughs> right. Now listen. My mother told me a story once. I'm about to end. I did not get to, I never get to get, do my whole thing. But my mom told me, my mom was a trip. So back in the day when you didn't have internet and, and stuff like that, and you had bill collector problems, you might write them a letter, right? And they would respond in the mail, right? And so they were cheating her in some way, form, or fashion. 
And the, the mail at our house was coming late in the afternoon, like four something. So the letter comes rejecting her claim, disputing her facts, and then calling her, you know, you're the culprit, not us, not our company, right? Now, my mom looked at the letter, it's about three o'clock. She tried to call, but they back east, so it's five o'clock, they already going home. It's just so funny, that still happens today. Even in the emails, they come at 455. Just before five o'clock, <laughs> by the time you read the email, you, you can't call them, right? Because they're going home. All right, my mom would sit all weekend, just tense and on edge. She can't wait for Monday at eight o'clock to call these people. You get it? Her whole weekend, if she had something to do for someone, it was sabotaged because of what these people did and her trying to manage it in her own strength and volition. Her whole from Friday night, three o'clock to Monday at 7.55 a.m., you couldn't talk to her. What, what is it? She was the product of everything the enemy wanted. She was stressed out, mad and couldn't wait to get her way. She was un unjustly treated. She wanted righteous due, whatever's due her. You get it? All right, look, that's how we are. This is how we are. These things are pending in our hearts. That's more important than me turning away from them because they're so big if I don't address them now, they're gonna leave me to blame, right? That's why it's so hard to turn around in the morning and look at the Lord. I'm not saying look at the Lord for the very issue or specific issue that you think you're dealing with. I'm saying look at the Lord because he wants your faith. And what he's going to do is he's going to give you peace. That he can use you while you're at peace. Because he couldn't use my mother over the weekend. You get it? How are you going to use her? Well, hi, uh, can I? No! <laughs> you know? She's, look, she doesn't even realize where her stress is really coming from. She wants satisfaction. And what I'm saying is satisfaction is going to come first through the peace of God. Right? This peace he leaves us, not as the world knows peace. The world's peace is based on fix it. Give it to me. Make it work. Right? Our peace is based on God. I gave it to you. I need your transcendent peace. Bless the Lord. I mean, really, it can work for us. Um, so, you guys know I'm not good at closing out my sermons properly, but I'm going to. Go, uh, oh, one more thing. <clears throat> um, so Barney took my job and I tried to manage it, but in my heart, I called him all kind of names, talked about my bosses. Then I plotted, you know, I talked about Betty and his son, Bam Bam. 
That's the Barney I'm talking about. Bam, bam. And, and you know, <laughs> I talked about Barney, right? And, um, and, and what I want from the Lord is that he fixed the situation so that I come off on top, right? And, um, and because the Lord didn't do that, and because I'm trying to manage the situation myself, I'm sinning now. The whole system was working against me. But now in my heart, I'm sinning against Barney. I'm talking, I sent Dino over there to bite Barney's cat. But Barney had some saber-toothed tiger, so he ate up Dino. I can't win for losing, right? I'm, I'm telling you guys right now, our management is not going to help us, right? So, so I send, um, I'm, I'm trying to deal, trying to plead my case to these people that actually look like they're listening to me again. It actually looks like I'm gaining ground again, right? But the truth of the matter is, if the enemy is dangling this carrot in front of me, why should he stop? I mean, really, I got something you want. You want this resolved. Why should he stop? I'm calling myself a Christian, so I'm working against his camp. So why should he quit dangling this carrot? I need peace. God is allowing him to dangle this carrot till I come to myself and realize I can't do this. This is a job for God. Now I'm, I'm sinning, so I want to take them to court. I want to take them to court for all they've done to me, cheating me. I'm the one worked all weekend and all night and everything. They cheated me, right? The scripture says, Proverbs 18, 17, the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. That examine, that's a cross-examine. Cross-examining time means your sins are now revealed. We are sinners trying to deal with sinners. You get it? We, look, if we deal with them outside of God, we're going to deal with them sinfully. I don't care. Think about it. Try to do it. Think about how it's worked out. Look, you can have a truce or something. The neighbor's tree fell in your yard and you worked it out and she went on about her business or whatever. Those kinds of things lead us to believe we don't need the Lord. Satan will let some, some minor situations <laughs> have a resolve. The... Um, the story goes that there was an angel that used to stir the water in the pool of Bethesda, right? And um, if you got in the water right after that angel, you'd be healed or, or cured. Remember that story? Okay, so my belief is that, first of all, there's a lot of controversy surrounding that. But my belief is, is that, I mean, if I'm going to lay up here and wait until this angel stirs this water and be the first one to jump in... I may be waiting around this pool for life. It may never happen, right? We want to get up from this pool trying to manage these affairs of ours. The way I'm going to fix this is I'm going to dive in. Look, as long as I've been waiting, I can't even get up. I'm old, like the guy on the, on the stretcher. Okay, I can't even get up. How am I going to get in? I have no one to put me in. Who's going to put me in when they want to get in? Right? 
not our answer. That pool is not our answer. Jesus was standing right by him. He's the answer, right? And in all these affairs in our lives, look, if I'm sitting at the pool because I saw it work, somebody jumped in right after the water was stirred and they're healed, right? I know it works. So I'm waiting on my turn. Don't believe that Satan won't give you a million and you a million so that I'll be longing and waiting for my million. Okay? All the rest of my life. Don't get tricked. We have to really turn to God. Look, we turn to the hills from where comes our peace. That was um, Heart Siege was the name of the sermon. Let's pray 